0: Hey, Don. Yes, I am. What's the word? Memory loss. Alcoholics have three types of memory loss. Short term, long term, and And convenient. convenient. Where'd you hear that? I I heard heard it it through the the grapevine. grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour. Featuring the collected voices of alcoholics and idols, I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. You sure are. Oh, wait. um, <laughs> Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an
1: alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Well, I'm glad that you confirmed that I am who
0: I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you am. <laughs> I am what I am, and that's all what I am. <laughs> What's on the half-hour variety hour today, Sam?
1: Well, Don, today we'll be meeting Bay B, who is... I can't do that, Bay baby. B. <laughs> oh, poor Bay. Bay, yeah. today we will be meeting Bay, who is a longtime art director for the Grapevine magazine, and we'll conclude with a blast from the past, an
0: archival recording from someone in AA history. Well, Yeah today bill w talks about what he meant by the expression spiritual experience in the book and in the steps this is from a talk that he gave at the general service conference in 1969 but first let's meet our guest bay bay B. baby 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 <laughs> bay is not a baby
1: Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org.
0: Order a copy of the new book, Fun in Sobriety, and join us August 22nd for a group discussion. Participate by calling 212-870-3418 with your reflections on fun and sobriety, and we may play it on the show. That's 212-870-3418.
2: Hi, my name is Bay. I'm an alcoholic, and I live in Santa Monica, California. Hi, Bay. Thank you so much for joining us today. Bay,
0: I was talking with a new guy after a meeting today. He was three hours sober. Wow. <laughs> he, yeah. And I could read in him, I just saw in him all the pain and the terror of quitting drinking and the conflict that he had. Because I asked him, Do you think you can not drink after this meeting? And he said, No. Mm-hmm. Yet he was there. Because he was seeking help. What brought you to the place that you decided to seek help in Alcoholics Anonymous?
2: Yeah, I think for me, it was just, I was beat down so many times over and over and over again. And so many times I just said, this is the last time. This is the last time. This is the last time. I just could not believe how, you know, cunning, baffling and powerful this thing was It just beat me into submission to the point where I, I had to let go. It was just that I was so humiliated, and I, I couldn't. I just couldn't do it anymore.
1: What is it? The fear of dying outweighs the fear of getting sober, or or something along those lines. And it just kind of finally hits that point.
2: Yeah, like after a long bender, I would all my friends and be like, "This is the last time." I'd look myself in the mirror and be like, "I'm done. I'm absolutely done." this is my moment of clarity. And then three weeks later, I would do it all over again. And then two weeks later, I would do it all over again. And then this time, this is the real last time because it's over. And then I do it again. You got into a police chase on the way to rehab, right? I did. I was legitimately on my way to rehab. I got pulled over and he said, get out of the car. And I said, I can't do that officer because I'm on my way to rehab and I floored it and it ended up in a high speed car chase with a helicopter. It didn't end well, I didn't, mm. I didn't crash. I finally, after a while pulled over, got arrested and went to rehab and everything. Yeah, I mean, I was like, they didn't arrest me through my whole drinking career and now you're gonna arrest me when I'm actually on my way to rehab? No. That's not going to happen. I'm getting to rehab. <laughs> it's, it's
0: not a pass. Hey, I'm going to rehab.
2: I'm on my way to a meeting. Uh, <laughs> I was checked in. I had I was wow. checked in over the phone. They had my information. So it wasn't BS. But was that the last time? Did you quit no, after I, that? No, that's the thing. I got arrested. I spent time in the county jail. I got diverted to rehab and then I went to another rehab and then you would think, okay, you know, now he's done. And my family and everyone was like, now he's done because he got arrested. Thank goodness the law stepped in, but no, it wasn't enough. And I had to go out again. I escaped from the rehab. I planned a a dramatic James Bond escape scaling the walls of the rehab Only to find out that I could have just walked out the door because I wasn't actually. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I went back to get my stuff and they said, you know, honey, you could have just walked out the door. You didn't have to do all that.
0: Oh, (laughs) well, we are dramatic at times, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah. What was the difference between that time and the last time? What was going on inside of you?
2: Yeah, I remember I was lying in a hotel room in downtown L.A., The rehab called me on my cell phone and they said, Bae, do you want to come back? And I was crying. I said, yeah, I do. And I came back. I couldn't believe how this had happened. I was in this really nice rehab, yet I still ran away from that one. I came back. I woke up in the morning and I was lying on the couch and I was just crying and crying. I really wanted to be sober and I didn't know why. I couldn't stop. It was so painful and confusing. And it wasn't like that moment I said, now's the time. It just that I was just so beaten up that I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore, I guess. And that and that was the last time. And oh, a funny thing, that time I was using drugs as well. And I got this gigantic, huge canker sore in my lip, like the size of a dime, real painful. And I couldn't talk. So it would hurt when I talked so they'd be like, <laughs> I was a big talker as I am now, you know, in that rehab, I was a big hotshot, I thought, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm getting sober. This is great, you know, and then I just shut up for like a month. I didn't talk. I like to think it was like, maybe this was like the universe's way of just like, shut up and just listen now.
0: It's a, an example of take the cotton out of your ears <laughs> yeah, your that mouth. is right where my mind went to it's just like that.
1: <laughs> well, Bae, so what's it like today?
2: Yeah, so I work for the grapevine. I'm a you know special worker. I'm employed by you know AAWS. I'm the art director of the grapevine. I design the covers and the inside of the magazine. I come up with photos or art for each story, talk about it with the editor. Do you draw
0: or do you get illustrators?
2: I usually get illustrations that already exist, then manipulate them, fit the content. It's absolutely been the most fantastic job of my life. I've been doing it for the last 13 years. The stories I read, they make me cry sometimes. Me too. John and I, John's the editor, we, we do the prison issue every year. People write that they get the grapevine in prison and how much it helped them. It's just the most rewarding experience of my life. I love the illustrations in the grapevine. It feels so contemporary
0: and on target.
2: Yeah, thanks. I've been doing this for so long. And sometimes I can have the impression that I'm connected to the program when I'm doing this work, but it's actually more of a job than it is a a program service. Mm -hmm. I get paid for it and I have to show up for it. For me, it just can't be a substitute for my actual AA program. But sometimes it feels like it could be because I'm reading these stories. I'm connecting with it. I'm doing some kind of service. But if I'm not engaging in my normal way with my meetings and with, you know, other alcoholics, then it's just not enough.
1: I hear Mm -hmm. you. I get that. I mean, my experience that uh, recording these podcasts are a fantastic addition to my recovery, but this is not my program. I still have yeah. to go to meetings. I need to be connected with local AAs. So that special worker slash alcoholic and recovery balance,
2: Yeah, it, I think is really an important part. Yeah. The, I'm just an alcoholic, just like the rest of us. That the selfishness and self-centeredness creeps in when I <laughs> expect it. It's just there. It comes in. And if I don't you know, pay attention to my spiritual condition, I can go right back into the dark places.
0: Mm. I imagine it's even harder for people who professionally work with people who are like in a treatment center, people who are getting sober. Yeah. But I've had sponsees and a sponsor who worked in treatment centers, and I know they have the same problem. It kind of doesn't count. That's probably even more difficult. I would think, yeah. But it's different when I'm giving of myself well without being paid. There-
2: <laughs> There's nothing like that magic of, of just doing something that I slightly don't want to do, but I do it. <laughs> and it's a little bit inconvenient. I don't want to pick up that phone from whoever and I do it. And then I get that feeling of connectedness to my fellows and to the world. That's the magic of a fellowship. Yeah. So yeah.
1: was this something that you learned in your own experience of being a special worker and in recovery, or is it something that uh, someone imparted to you
2: and you listened? Uh, I No, I think I just figured it out because I live in LA now, but I spent 15 years in New York, that was where the really the solid part of my recovery formed. And I had a really strong community there. I just realized like, this is where I need to make sure I am connected here with these people on the ground, on the front lines, going to meetings, going up to newcomers, talking to them, and you know, doing all that stuff we do.
0: So you are a creative, I would say. Mm-hmm. Or have you always been artistic?
2: Yeah, I, always, I play music, too. Yeah. You know, I was a graffiti artist when I was a teenager and somehow just fell into graphic art. So because I'm an artist, I played in yeah. bands, ah.
0: very creative in everything I do. And I felt like, OK, I'm going to go to AA. This is the end of my life.
2: Mm-hmm. This yeah. is the
0: end of my creativity. But I have to give it up. Because I can't drink anymore. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case. It was a misperception. I thought I was going to lose my creativity. What was what's your journey with that?
2: Yeah, I don't think I necessarily my drinking was not so wrapped up in my art or creative process like it is with some people. So that wasn't as hard to untangle. But yeah, I definitely had the feeling like my life is over. Am I ever going to really have fun at night? (laughs) Like, what do you do at night? How can you really have fun? I thought this is going to suck. And it turned out to be just the opposite. Like I have just the most fun being sober and more creative probably than I ever was. What about playing music sober the first time? Was it a trigger? Or- I became a musician in sobriety. I didn't know I could play music. I was at this Camp Kresge in New York with 250 alcoholics, and they had a talent show. And I played one of my songs, and it was like I got chills. Just something went over me like it was the first time I had it performed. And people just came up to me like telling me how much they enjoyed it. That was like the beginning of my musical journey. I still didn't believe him because I thought, oh, this is just a bunch of people supporting each other. That's what we do here in AA, you know. So it took a long time before I realized that I had something to offer. You had
1: something to do with these recovery camps, didn't you?
2: Yeah, it was called Not a Lot out of New York. Really incredible, really unique. It's an AA group, but we go on camping trips, river rafting, ski trips. And it's really lively and it's really Well attended. It'll be like a hundred people on a ski trip taking over some lodge. It'll be you know two hundred fifty people at this YMCA camp. And just, I mean, the energy—it's just incredible. Really shifted my sobriety because I realized there could be fun to be had. And seeing new people come and their eyes light up like, "Wow, there's something else besides drinking."
0: Yeah, I think I realized that I gave alcohol my creativity. I gave alcohol all the fun in life. It was as mm-hmm. if alcohol provided everything. In fact, alcohol was my higher power. Mm-hmm. It was the source of everything in my mind. And to discover that it could quit and it can be fun. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And exactly. life gets
0: big. What's something that has happened to you in recovery? It was an epiphany where you turned to the steps and your life changed and you didn't believe it could happen.
2: Well, what comes to mind is when I first started sponsoring people, a guy asked me to sponsor him. I had about a year or something. I was so excited to sponsor this guy. Finally, someone asked me to sponsor them. Then I had to break the news to him. And I said, listen, I'll sponsor you. This is, this will be great. But I got to tell you, I don't have a sponsor myself and I've never done the steps. (laughs) And, And he's like, oh, okay. And I said, actually, if I were you, I would probably find another sponsor. And then I thought to myself, what am I doing here in this program? I'm really good with the social. I'm really good with fellowshipping. I'm really good at talking to newcomers. But that second level of step work and sponsorship, I was missing out on. And I wasn't able to help this guy who reached out to me. Mm. So literally the next day I got a sponsor at a meeting. I just grabbed who I was like, I got to do it. I want to do the steps now. How long had you been sober at that point? Uh, That was like about a year. I have 19 years now. I'm going to have 20 next month, by the way. (laughs) No big deal. (laughs) At 20 (laughs)
0: years, it's no longer a theory.
2: Yeah, I uh, had a year and it was, and I did the steps. Eventually I got to have some sponsors and I actually did the steps with them. And that was transformational sitting in a room with a guy crying, both of us doing our fifth step mm-hmm. him, you know, a person that I know, but not a close friend. Who is this guy? He's in my apartment. We're connecting in this way. He's telling me stuff that is so shameful and embarrassed. I'm telling him stuff that's shameful and embarrassing. And that was transformational for me because it was like I'm not someone that had a white light experience after they did the steps some people do it was more I did the steps I felt confident to help others and then I started helping others and that's where the transformation helped our greatest
1: liabilities become our greatest assets Mm -hmm. it's a fantastic thing that the these deep dark secrets that were so shameful and guilt-ridden can actually help somebody when i share them. Yeah. It's so powerful.
0: That that's what it is and you know, i've gone back and forth as long as i've been sober with the idea of god. i've given up fighting over a concept and i just accept that there is a power greater than myself that is very real in my life. Yet as many times as i have felt it to be completely real, two weeks later i'll go, "Ah, don't oh, know. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> but I was talking with a sponsee describing one time when I felt it as real. And for me, the times that I felt a presence of some power that's greater than me has been in listening to a fifth step and being able to say to this person who is filled with shame, trembling, sharing this horrible thing they have done and be able to say, I did that. Yes, yes, Don. You don't have to be that person anymore.
2: It's the action. It's the action that makes me more connected to higher power and to the world. If I, I can quote, believe in God all I want, I can still be on the bar stool, wasting my life away and still believing in God, still saying, I believe in God. But if I'm not taking spiritual action, then it's almost as if it doesn't matter what I believe. I have to engage with the world on that level. And it's different for every person. For you, it was that moment when you were doing the fifth step. For me, I think a spiritual action is very broad. And that's why if I have sponsees or friends that are atheists or agnostic. I can say, okay, forget about the belief for a second. Let's just start taking some spiritual action. Can you call another alcoholic? Can you help him? Is that does that go against your atheist beliefs? <laughs> can you write? In your, <laughs> your, can you write in your journal every morning? Just write two pages of what's going on with you. Can you wake up in the morning and do that exercise class that you hate doing, but just do it anyway? Can you, you know, whatever it is, the spiritual action that It's different for every person. It can be very broad. When we're doing those things, that's when the connection comes. And that is the why third step, you know, is the action step where we start doing these actions and really engaging with people in the world. That's where the higher power, it seeps in slowly. And before I know it, if I'm engaging in the world in that way, if I'm in the flow of the river of life then that's when God starts to seep in to me. And then I'm like, okay, I see the higher power now. I'm with it.
0: It's in my actions, not in my thinking. It
1: is. (laughs) You know, I'm atheist. I recently had a friend post a survey. One of the questions was about uh, your religious or spiritual beliefs and options were like spiritual, but not religious, religious, agnostic, and atheist. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I, I tick more than these. I'm spiritual, but not religious. And I'm atheist. And I, I love how what you just described fits me. Thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's all about the action. And I and what sucks is I have to continue engaging with that action in order. I'm only as sober as a, a daily reprieve based on the, the, the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And that's like, I can't just have one spiritual awakening like, I believe in God now. I get it, and then kind of go on with my life. I got to continue to engage with the world spiritually somehow. It's like working out, going to the gym. Like I spent a, two weeks in the gym. I'm totally fit. <laughs> now what? I got to keep doing this. Keep going. <laughs> I got. I just. I spent all this time getting fit, and now you want me to keep doing it. And that's that's the practice. I just want to be done with it. I want one. I want to do the work. Be done walk away, sail into the sunset. And not How very alcoholic of you. <laughs> I want what I want when I want it. And I want
1: it now. And I only want to have to do it once. <laughs> We've got to sail away. Okay. <laughs> Bay, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real it's been pleasure. so
2: fun. You guys are so great. I've been listening to the podcast and enjoying it. You guys keep doing it.
0: Bill W. 1969. Blast from the past.
3: My own experience, though, in changing the steps is rather amusing. It just shows you how things can get frozen. Somebody just showed me a copy Uh, of the first printing of the A-book, the big red thick one that we made so thick with thick paper so the drunks would get their money's worth. (laughs) And in that, yeah, this is it. In here, you will find in the 12th step that having had a spiritual experience, uh, we use the word experience, to denote the spiritual transformation, and no doubt took that notion from William James, whose great book, Varieties of Religious Experience, laid a foundation for this movement. And the foundation was upon hopelessness, because the James cases who had the marked transforming experiences were people who, at depth, admitted that they had something that they alone couldn't get over, under, or around. So this transforming experience was called by James Experience, and his book was called Varieties of Religious Experience, and so were his examples of it, and we have duplicated them in all of their myriad forms. Uh, Now then, I always liked this word experience, but there was a hell of a movement, I believe it em- emanated down in Greenwich Village in <laughs> about 1937 or 8, when the book was under contemplation, or, or no, rather just after the book was published. It'd be more like 40. And this was a movement to get rid of this uh, conversion business and this experience business and... After a hell of a lot of tub thumping, the people who wished the change got it, and I dutifully inscribed in the second printing that hereafter this was not to be an experience. It was to be a tepid form of experience called an awakening. (laughs) Well, uh, I don't know whether anybody got well in Greenwich Village who would have died otherwise. (laughs) No, I really don't. And so sometime afterward, when AA had got a little less absolutist and more intellectuals had got down to their right size, (laughs) I said, well, I'm going to try to put back that word experience. I'll be damned if I don't like it. And I think some of the old mossbacks like me would like it too. So I tried to put it back. And I was absolutely shouted down and assaulted for heresy by God. And I was, <laughs> and I was threatened with excommunication to change one word of the Holy Writ, which is <laughs> now spiritual awakening. <clears throat>
1: Hey folks, just a reminder that we need you to call 212 870 3418 to record questions for the old timers and also recovery related jokes. That's 212
0: 870 3418. I'm
1: at the very wits' end. A tipsy gentleman in a great looking suit with his hair well-groomed, a flower in his lapel and smelling like good aftershave, walks into an upscale cocktail lounge. He sees a woman seated at the bar and walks over, sits beside her and orders a
0: drink. He takes a sip, turns to her and says, So tell me, do I come here often? (laughs)
1: it's really not that funny thanks for joining us the aa grapevine half hour variety hour is posted every monday and is produced by aa grapevine inc we don't speak for aa as a whole we share the experience strength and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find A.A. Grapevine on Instagram and the A.A. Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about A.A., Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit a.a.org.